Hello and welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. Rachel Herman is the founder and executive director of Paws NY, an organization that helps those in need by providing free animal care services to those struggling with their health, finances, or other obstacles. After several years volunteering at animal shelters, Rachel found it surprising that no organization provided this kind of pet care assistance in New York City, so she set out to fill the gap. Nearly 15 years later, the organization has grown to help out countless individuals across the city and continues to expand its services. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today on Dog Save the People. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. This is really exciting. Thrilled to have you. Where are we speaking to you from? So I am in Connecticut right now. I just, uh, my family and I left the city, left Brooklyn about six months ago. So getting used to living in a new state. Oh, good. And how's the transition been? Better than I expected. We're fortunately living in an area where we can walk to town and walk to the train station. So it has not been as extreme of a change as we were expecting, which has been really great. That's good. Yeah, I moved up to Rhinebeck. Oh, nice. About a year ago, and I found a little spot that is right in the village. I can't walk to the train station, but I can walk into the village. And to me, having lived in New York City for so many years, but getting a job up here, I really needed to make sure that I was going to be able to walk and not always be driving places. Yeah. And my dogs love it. I mean, my dogs, they definitely loved New York City because there were so many smells, people, other dogs. It was very social, very active. But they do love to be able to sit outside in the yard and just take it all in. But we definitely walk into towns. They get their socialization, as do I. That's great. So, Rachel, let's talk about your childhood. I know that you grew up a little bit north of New York City, but your parents met in a very specific way. (laughs) They did. Uh, My parents were both living in Manhattan and had dogs, and they met walking dogs on the Upper East Side. My dad spotted my mom and was interested and and definitely, I think, probably tried to get on the same dog walking schedule as her so that they would bump into each other. So I think about that and how funny it is and obviously explains my love of animals and it's just like deep rooted in who I am as a person. Oh, I love it. It's almost like 101 Dalmatians, how the two (laughs) people met. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. That's so romantic. Mm -hmm, It is. And so you, you grew up with dogs. I did. I grew up, we always had, you know, two or three dogs, two or three cats, you know, some hamsters, fish. So it was an an important part of our upbringing was to have pets in the home. And how did that bond with your dogs and your cats and your animals? How did that evolve as you got into adulthood? So, you know, I always loved animals, loved dogs, loved cats. For me, they were always a part of the family. You know, when I was younger, like a lot of kids, I always thought, you know, maybe I'll be a veterinarian. That's a common thing for little kids to want to be. And then as I got older, I realized, you know, I'm not sure that's the right path for me. Science was never my strong suit in school, just didn't really seem like it was in the cards. And, you know, I didn't really know what else was out there in terms of job opportunities, you know, professional opportunities where you could incorporate animals. And so as I got older, when I was thinking about what I wanted to do for work, When I graduated college, working with animals was just not something I really even thought was possible. Right. Planned to go to law school, 
decided that wasn't for me after a couple of years at a firm, great work experience, but thankfully I realized that I didn't want to go to law school. And that's when I started volunteering in animal welfare, socializing cats, taking dogs out for walks. I loved it. And I I thought, you know, what else can I be doing? I'm really interested in the organizational side. I mean, I love obviously socializing kittens. Like who who wouldn't love that? It's adorable. (laughs) Great stress relief. You know, I was working, uh, volunteering at a shelter in Manhattan and basically said to them, I'm really interested in getting into this field of animal welfare. Do you need any help up in the executive office? And so I started volunteering in the development department, which is fundraising, just helping, you know, with anything that they really needed help with. And that's where I sort of got to see what happens behind closed doors, how nonprofits are run. And that really was sort of my first introduction into a world that I have now sort of made my career in, sort of at the time was going back to school to get my master's in public administration and realized that animal welfare is really what I wanted to focus on. And that was my end goal. And it was while I was in school that I came up with the idea for pause. I definitely credit that to being in school and taking a nonprofit law class and kind of learning about the steps that go into creating a nonprofit. I don't know if I ever would have thought to myself, yeah, I can start a nonprofit if I hadn't been learning sort of the basics already, what goes into that. Yeah, now, you know, it's 14, 13 years later, and I am so happy that I actually got to figure out a career where I get to help animals every day. It's really like a dream come true for me. Good for you. And I know that there's so many people, a lot of our listeners and just people that I've met that are always trying to figure out how can I be involved with animals? What can I do? How can I give back? Mm -hmm. And I do want to talk about that later because it sounds like within your organization, there are so many opportunities. But I wanted to talk about PAWS, which stands for Pets Are Wonderful Support. PAWS and why it envisions a society that honors the emotional, physical, and social benefits of the human-animal bond. And together, they create this incredible service. Was there a turning point? Was there something, an aha moment that inspired this organization? Yes, there absolutely was an aha moment. As I mentioned, I was in grad school. I was going to NYU and I lived within walking distance. And so I would walk to class every day. And there was this young homeless couple with a dog sitting outside the grocery store. And I saw them almost every day. And I, you know, occasionally I would donate pet food, donate change, but I thought, you know, I don't feel like I'm actually making any sort of long-term impact. And to think that you could have a pet and you could be making personal sacrifices because of the love of your animals, heartbreaking. I mean, at the time, homeless shelters didn't allow pets. And this couple was likely giving up a warm bed at night because of their strong love for the animal. And I understood that because I, I love animals so much and pets are family to me. I just found that to be such a devastating thought. I started to think about what other people live here in this big city of ours, have pets benefit greatly from the relationships they share, but may be facing obstacles to providing kind of basic care. And I I really immediately started to think about older adults and how as you age, you know, you might start dealing with limited mobility, health issues that make it hard for you to care for your animals and how awful that might be that you bring a pet into your home and you're healthier and you can take your pet out. And now you found yourself in a position where you can't. And maybe you think, I have to give up my animal because I can't give that dog everything I want to give that dog. And that is just such a sad thing to think about. And I personally don't believe that a person should be separated from their animal. We want to do everything we can to keep that pet at home with the person who loves them. 
And so I did some research and you know, you think New York has everything. Right. But I couldn't find an organization that existed that was providing the kind of help that I thought about, which was sort of ongoing physical care, dog walking, litter box maintenance, grooming, administration of food and water, just sort of the day-to-day stuff that many of us take for granted. But for somebody facing obstacles that come from age, disability, or illness, it may actually make the difference of being able to keep your pet at home with you or having to give them up. And so that's sort of the the founding story, I guess you could say, the, the catalyst for the greater thinking. And then from there, we've really evolved. And like I said, I think being in grad school at the time and taking courses in nonprofit management really gave me the confidence I needed to feel like I could actually do something about it. Because while I had never started a nonprofit or any company before, I, I had a little bit of knowledge about what it takes. I would imagine that being in grad school and suddenly having this idea and making these connections, it gave you even more of a focus while you were studying. Yeah. The idea of somebody who's elderly that has a pet in their home, those pets are providing such incredible support and love. And I can't imagine, I think even more so, it's an even more important relationship than we can even imagine. And so to be able to provide them a safety net and to provide those sort of services. We had one client, he used the word antidepressant. His dog was the greatest antidepressant he could have asked for. Just the love, the unconditional love that these pets are providing to our human clients is almost hard to put into words. And as you kind of talked about it perfectly, anybody who has a pet and they love them and they feel like they're a family member, but when you take a person who is already so isolated and at risk, whose pet is really sort of their sole source of companionship, that relationship becomes even more important. There are so many actual health benefits to having a pet. The simple act of petting your dog, being around pets, it reduces stress, it reduces anxiety, it gives people a sense of purpose as well. You know, I wake up every day and I have an animal that I'm responsible for that loves me. I'm getting up for my animal. That's really important too. So Rachel, we're going to be speaking to one of your clients, Joseph, to talk to him about his relationship with his dog, Bonnie, and as well his relationship with you all. Can you tell me a little bit about his story? Yeah, absolutely. So Joseph became a client back in 2018. They came to us because they needed support, like so many of our clients, with dog walking. You know, he was facing some challenges that made it hard to kind of get outside every day to walk his dog. And so we came in and, you know, we provided a whole host of support. So our core program is our house call program where volunteers go into the home and provide daily assistance with, in this case, dog walking. But then we also have other programs through which we provide support. And every year we provide vet care support. So what that means is we can pay for the visit, the wellness exams, the vaccinations, any medical care that comes up. And we can also handle the transport. We work with some veterinarians who do house call visits in the home. And so when we can arrange that, we prefer it because it means the client can be there for the visit. It's less stressful for the animal. In some cases, you do have to take a pet to a clinic because they require medical care that you can't do in the comfort of your own home. And so we have arranged that every single year since the two have become a part of our family. Also provide them with a pet food sponsorship. So what that means is every single month we are delivering and donating all of the pet food and supplies 
that Bonnie needs. And so that is now no longer something that Joseph needs to worry about. You know, so all of our clients, you know, have financial limitations as well. And so, you know, what we found and what I found early on was that clients were doing one of two things. Either they were buying pet food for their pets, but then that money was often being taken away from something that they needed the money for, maybe their own medication, their own health needs, their rent. And obviously that is not an ideal situation. And then, you know, we have a team of dog walkers for Bonnie. So what that means is we put a team together of volunteers. They each have a shift. The team is really amazing at working together and really making sure that Joseph and Bonnie get all the help that they need so they can stay together for as long as possible and love each other and be a family. And I love that the motto of Paws NY is helping people by helping pets. Yeah. And you're providing this incredible love triangle. It is, you know, and it's interesting. Like, I love animals, but the reason we're here is because we love animals, but we know how important these animals are to the people and the health benefits that these animals are providing to these people. And we need to make sure that that can continue for as long as possible. And so we're this sort of interesting hybrid between animal welfare and human services. And that's why I say sometimes I have to kind of change how I'm talking about what we do, because sometimes you meet somebody who is much more interested in the impact on humans than the animals or vice versa. They're much more interested on the animals, right, than they are on the humans. And then sometimes you find people who really get it and get how it's intertwined and that it really isn't one or the other. And I imagine that, again, those needs and the blind spots just keep evolving and revealing themselves to you as you grow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. We're constantly sort of assessing our programs, thinking about, are there new things we can be doing? How can we change what we're doing? Foster care in particular is something that has really evolved for us. So for the first five or six years of our existence, we provided foster care when clients were facing medical crises or hospitalizations. But we would often get calls from members of the public who were either you know needed to go to the hospital or were already in the hospital and it was the hospital social work were calling us. And we weren't responding to those. I had tried it very early on, and there were a lot of challenges. And as a small organization with limited resources, both financially and human resources, it was just something I didn't feel like we could reasonably take on and do well. But over the years, and as calls came in and realized there were no other organizations addressing this, like we're the ones that should be doing it because it really falls into to our mission. And so over the last several years, We now have been responding to some of these hospitalization cases for individuals who are not already enrolled in our program, but who need support. They're either already in the hospital or they know they need to go in and they have nobody to take care of their animal. We don't want them to be putting off medical care because that's what people do. They won't go to the hospital if they don't have anyone to take care of their pet. And so that's really an example of how we've kind of pivoted a little bit to address some unmet needs in the community. And It is a challenging program for a lot of reasons. I I could talk for hours about that program, but at the end of the day, every case we take on is giving that person pet a chance at staying together. So I'm really happy that we're doing it. And Rachel, you've mentioned now a couple of people who are more perhaps homebound and elderly. Are there other examples of clients that might be younger that may have fallen through the cracks in other ways? Yeah. So in order to qualify for services, an individual has to have both financial and physical obstacles. So while many of our clients are older adults and they're facing mobility issues, we do have clients who are younger. And you know, an example is somebody who maybe they have cancer and they're going through chemo. 
Maybe they can't scoop the litter right now because it's not safe for them to do that. Or, you know, they just don't have the energy or ability to walk their dog. And ideally, those sorts of cases are temporary in that, you know, we hope that the person gets better and that they won't need our help anymore. In many cases, our clients, because most of our clients are older, their health is not often getting better. So when we do start helping a client, we're really helping them for a very long time. I mean, we even have some clients we're helping today who have been with us for a decade. You know, their pet was young and they were, you know, 12 years younger and their pet is now, you know, a senior along with them and they still need help. We do have some younger clients and they're just dealing with disabilities or illnesses that make often walking their dog just really hard for them. Or maybe they can go out to the stoop and let the dog out, but what they can't do is really give their dog a nice walk around the block, some exercise. And so we will help with that as well. That's incredible. So Rachel, you're going to be celebrating 15 years soon for Paws <laughs> NY. How have you noticed the landscape changing and does your motivation continue to evolve? Yeah. So I have definitely started to notice a change. Back when I first started the organization, this idea of surrender prevention, you could call it, was not a priority. Funding and the mindset for supporting animals was really sort of shelter-based. It was spay-neuter, it was food and shelters, it was adoptions, TNR. It was not pet pantries and providing support to pets who already had homes, but whose guardians were maybe struggling. And I have seen a huge change, especially I would say in the last like few years, where now you're starting to see foundations that used to support animal welfare, but were very focused on what I just mentioned earlier, now opening up to more of these surrender prevention programs where they understand that why don't we try and keep pets out of the shelter in the first place? Because as you mentioned, and I I worked at an amazing animal welfare organization in the early days when PAWS was my nights and weekends passion project, yes. and you'd walk around the shelter and on the cage card, so many of these pets came in because of owner guardian surrender. And now in some of these cases, maybe it couldn't be prevented, but in a lot of them, maybe it could, and it could be us coming in and providing support. I've been really happy to kind of see a shift in perspective and a focus on keeping pets at home because they're already loved. They don't need to go take up space in a shelter from another animal who really needs that space. Excited to see even a, a greater focus on that moving forward. I know that a friend of mine who works in a city shelter in New York City, that that has become a big part of the organization, providing yeah. counseling so that they can find out how can we help you? How can we help you keep your animal at home. And I imagine that you have relationships with those people because you're providing that exact type of support. We do. You know, we know animal care centers of New York City. Yes. They know about us. And if somebody ever comes in and they think, oh, this person could just use some help from paws, they just need, you know, dog walking or, or whatever it might be, they can give us a call and, and we'll come in and provide the support that that person needs to keep the pet at home with them. Rachel, are there any other stories that you want to share about any of your clients or any other experiences that might be of interest to our listeners? We have the most amazing community. The relationships that our clients share with their pets are just so important and so beautiful. And we are very fortunate to have a community of volunteers, of supporters who make our work possible. 
you know, I have so many stories to share. I could be here till tomorrow, but you know, for anybody who lives in the New York City area and you know, loves animal and loves the idea of helping people. I I just want to encourage them to kind of check us out and, yes. you know, sign up for an orientation because that firsthand knowledge of witnessing that bond is just like unlike anything else. You know, we have volunteers who spend Christmas and holidays with our clients, you know, because they know that our clients might not have family and they might be alone and that they're with their pet and they they want them to have another human companion. So it's just like from all ends of, of the spectrum, the client and the pet and the client and the volunteer and the pet and the volunteer. Right. We have clients, you know, they're hospitalized, their pet needs to be fostered. One of their volunteers will just say, you know, I'll take your pet for yeah. as long as you need. And then we reunite them. And that reunion oh, between boy. the client and the pet is awesome. Wow. And again, that must just bring it all back to while you're doing this and the original concept. I mean, that yeah. is a stunning, beautiful, breathtaking story. And so I, I really encourage people that are listening to really consider checking out the website and consider volunteering or donating. Thank you. And and also we're on social media is a great way to kind of help us out too is following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're at Pause NY. Thank you on behalf of Dog Save the People for this beautiful work. We were so lucky to also hear from one of the clients of Pause NY, Joseph Paul who has benefited from having people to walk his dog, Bonnie, once he got older and less mobile. Let's hear from Joseph now. I have lived in this home, Upper West Side of Manhattan, New York, for 44 years. I'm a fourth generation New Yorker. Bonnie, she looked exactly like my dog that I had for 14 years. She was a Basset Beagle. Got the dog in 2014. I was like top of the line, spry, energetic. And I thought, we're going to go all around and do everything, which was the kind of what my life was at that time. She was uh, going to the dog runs like dogs do in New York, you know, and she was very active. I started not to be so active. Knee problems, leg arthritis stuff. And that just like, threw me for a loop in life because I thought, oh my God, now I'm really old, you know, and I thought, oh, this is part of life, you know, and uh, my parents had arthritis. I thought, this is changing my life. So now I'm dealing with a dog who is very active, goes to dog runs. I can't handle her so well anymore. So that was a very difficult time. It wasn't the worst thing in life, but it was making me feel that my life is passing and I'm like not so able to like run and have a great time with my dog. Then I'm sitting on a park bench with a friend in Riverside Park who has a dog. She had some disability and she told me that she has help with her dog. So she tells me about this pause organization and she said, well, just call them. They volunteer. They help me. So called pause. I didn't know whether I needed a recommendation or whatever. They came and visited me, checked some information, and that was that. Now, I'm going to have people who can walk the dog. So that was a start, and I felt better about it already. I still went out with the dog. I still take the dog out, but not for big, long walks. And, but then when she goes out with the paws, folks, she runs and carries on. She drives them wild, you know, and so this makes me very happy. I mean, because the volunteers are filled with energy. And then the dog really perks up. 
since I started with this in 2018, the pause people, they're really kind of like friends at this moment. The dog, any dog probably that we have, they open our lives to so much more kind of human interaction or compassionate relations that we wouldn't have, you know, that I wouldn't like go out on the street or, you know, get that connection. And I'll just say, we are very, very lucky living in New York and having people around us. It's such a diverse town, right? There are people who take their time. There was one young person who kind of really took care of us and me, whether I liked it or not. So far so that comes the COVID situation and the volunteers, they have to back off. They're not supposed to be traveling around and coming and taking care of your dog and all this kind of stuff. She kept doing this stuff. She set up COVID appointments for me, the shots, because she knows I'm like not a tech guy, you know, and I, she knows I'm a grumpy old guy and came and practically dragged me, really. She was taking care of me and kind to me, you know, like I think she was her family who lived very far away, of course, from New York. And that sticks with me. There's a man who's a retired person who comes from uh, Queens and he has a family and a wife and they love pets and they, you know, do all kinds of things and go to the theater and you name it. And he's been just loyal and faithful. And then he listens to me, you know, because I'm about almost 20 years older than he is. We're able to share stuff, you know, about how to deal with aches and pains and life. And so he kind of really can check on my dog because he's out with the dog for more than an hour. So he can see how she's behaving and all this kind of stuff. The guy is like, I would say, it's like a family member at this time in my life. It's wonderful. And that's a pause volunteer, you know? <laughs> pause, they provide dog food. They provide a yearly medical expenses. I mean, it's a wonderful thing. It's wonderful because dogs, as you know, in New York can be expensive. I'm now a senior with a little bit of a disability. So I think most of the clients of pause have to be in that situation. So this is great. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me. To me, it's the best, in my mind, a humanitarian organization that I've ever dealt with. And the dogs, the human connection through dogs, which makes it different than just people connecting as an element, I think. So the dogs bring out our human side more and kind of break the ice. So I feel more comfortable to connect with other people because of the animal. I'm never feeling alone because I have the dog with me. Hearing firsthand from someone who is part of the Pause and Why program made it sink in even further for me how special this program really is. Joseph typically would have had to give up his dog, Bonnie, and lose that joy and companionship, as well as another dog going up for adoption in the shelter. Instead, he and Bonnie have been able to stay together, and the shelter system has one less dog to worry about finding a home. On top of that, the Paws NY volunteers do an amazing job in helping out individuals like Joseph and forming heartwarming bonds and connections on a human-to-human level that is ushered in by the shared love for the dog. If you are looking for a truly meaningful volunteer role, 
then please consider joining the team at Pause and Why. You can also donate to their efforts to keep things going. We will include links in our show notes. I can't help but think of Pause and Why services as a win for all involved. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is made by As It Should Be, a production company and content studio. It is made with the support of Scott Benaglio, executive producer, and Jack Summer, our producer and editor. And special thanks to Daniel Lampert, our neighbor and composer, for creating the music for the show. You can follow Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow our show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. To sign up for our monthly email newsletter, you can go to dogsavethepeople.com. On the website, you'll also be able to find merch in our new online gift shop. This includes shirts from the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, where profits go to supporting independent rescues and shelters. If you have any questions or submissions, please drop a note to the email address bark at dogsavethepeople.com. Enjoy a walk with your dog outside and make it a great day for both of you. Thank you.